you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. Thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I am your host, Barbara Savin, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. I am a certified clinical medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years, and the older I get, hmm, the more wisdom seems to come true. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use it for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that your heart desires, because one day the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, I am going to bring on my shining guest. (laughs) How are you, Elizabeth? (laughs) I'm good, Barbara. Great to be here. Well, let me introduce you to my, uh, my listeners, uh, Elizabeth Prather. She is a mindfulness consultant and mentor who works in the areas of stress and burnout with high achieving leaders. She brings together ancient wisdom, neuroscience, and positive psychology to help clients find focus, calm, joy, purpose, and resilience. And in order to just not to survive, but to thrive in our modern world. And um, Elizabeth has 20 years of corporate leadership experience, including she was a vice president in a healthcare management company. And this is what I really want to talk to you about. So welcome. You know, I'm so happy to have you here today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Barbara. Thanks. So yeah, so you were a vice president for so many years, and then you switched courses, and now you're you're into mindfulness and mentorship. Wow, what, yes. what, what happened there that all this happened? <laughs> well, Barbara, we have to like go back even a little bit further than the vice president role, okay. uh, as many corporate executives probably know, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. I started out as a pretty much of a type A individual, even when I was very young, I wanted to be successful. It just felt like the right thing to do, to be, that's who I was. Uh, So I worked my way up through the ranks and I always thought that I would find this happiness, you know, eventually I'd find it all, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd have the great job and the great relationship and the great this and the great that. And as I continued up that corporate path, that wasn't happening. All I was doing was getting more burnt out. Um, You know, I had some good relationships during those times, but it was um, kind of a wake up call to, um, to just an understanding that, you know, where does happiness really come from? So when I was about the um, level of director 
I was burnt out. I had gone from managing three people to a hundred people almost overnight. Mm -hmm. And I found meditation. A friend of mine introduced it to me. And, you know, back then we were in the closet because this was a while ago, right? So it's not like a lot of people knew about it. Um, and I did find that it was helping me. It was helping me with the stress and the overwhelm, my emotions and so on. But then when I got promoted to vice president, when I started making the really good money, I began to realize that this was just the wrong job and I was having the wrong um, goals. You know, it, it, the goals were just completely off. And I had lost myself in the job is what I really had found <clears throat> out. And so uh, people had told me about this, these meditation retreats and trainings and stuff you could do in India and Nepal. So I took a backpack and I said, okay, I'm going to go on a sabbatical and check this stuff out you know, wow. a little more deeply. Uh -huh. So I went to India and Nepal. And the short story is I spent about four years. Um, at first it was vacation. You know, I hiked in the Himalayas. I laid on the beaches of Thailand. You know, I did the, all of it. Um, but I actually embarked on a 10-day, uh, I'll never forget this, it was in Nepal, it was a 10-day meditation retreat that really changed my life, it was kind of a switch that went off, it was like I finally went a little deeper into my mind and realized that there was something that I was really missing, mm -hmm. and so I went and basically spent years um, in India, Nepal, doing meditation training, listening to wisdom teachings, doing retreats, uh, some very short, some a little longer, a couple of months. Um, and then when I was, I needed to find a job, uh, I wanted to do something that I loved and I love to travel. So I, I met a woman in India. It's actually a funny story. She was, um, we were in the Bodh Gaya, which is where the Buddha got enlightened. And we're at this little retreat center. And I say to this woman, what, what do you do for a living? She says, I'm a tour director. I'm a tour director. I'm like a tour director. Well, what do you do? She goes, well, I take people on holidays. And I'm like, that's my next job. <laughs> so she ended up getting me a, um, a interview with her company. And uh, uh, it's called Tauk. And I worked for them for many, many years. And primarily spent time in Europe and in Asia and in India and Nepal. But, but it really helped me also. I didn't have to work all the time. So I was able to continue my spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And what I then did was in my kind of, people would call it the intense person that Elizabeth can be, is I did a three-year silent meditation retreat from 2010 to 2012. Wow. And this was in the high desert of Arizona. So at the retreat center of one of my teachers, my main teacher, His Eminence Garchan Rinpoche, and so this was, even within my tradition, three-year retreat is like doing a marathon. It's not something that everybody does, um, but it was uh, my path. And, um, and of course, the most amazing experience we can talk about later if you'd like, but it really helped me to understand that when I came out of that, interestingly enough, I wanted to share this information with other people who are in mainstream society working at difficult jobs like I had been. Mm -hmm. So that's, it was kind of a little bit of a longer journey. Um, and so then since 2013, I've been working both with individuals, but I also do work in organizations, bringing mindfulness into companies. Wow, that's some story. I, how, how did you manage a three-year quiet? <laughs> Were you silent for three years? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know, pretty much. Well, well it, was, it was a setting where there were five of us Mm -hmm. And we were in solo retreats. We had two kitchens and then we shared kitchens 
off time. So when I was in the kitchen, nobody else was and so on. We had other people buying our supplies. So we didn't have to talk to anybody normally, but every a couple of months, at one point it was almost a year though, we were able to get together as a small group and basically from like 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. we could talk. Oh. <laughs> so, so yeah, so uh -huh. for, for all intents and purposes, yeah, there was no internet, no reading other than things that were related wow. to the practices that you were doing. It was a very strict um, Tibetan Buddhist um, three-year, three-month, three-day silent meditation retreat. Wow, that takes some, you have to be courageous to do something like that. Focus <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, you know, as my family, I don't know if uh -huh. my family would quite say it this harshly, but I, I will say that when I told my family, my mother and my siblings, what I was going to do, their jaws dropped and they said, how are you going to stop talking for like two minutes? You know, uh -huh. it's like much uh -huh. less three years. And, you know, I built up to that and it was kind of, I had some intuition, some very deep intuitive hits um, during meditation retreats throughout the years that I was going to do this. And I never, even during those intuitive hits, I said, there's no way. It's like, mm -hmm. no, I have to work. Mm -hmm. I have to take care of myself. How am I going to take three years off? I mean, mm -hmm. come on, that's not going to happen. So, and then when it did happen, it was just, it flowed. It just I got flowed. a scholarship. Um, it just, it was the retreat was starting like six months from when I had that realization. It just was one of those things. So, it's you know, sometimes our intuitive hits, you know, come and we don't know what they are. And mm -hmm. then sometimes, and then sometimes it takes a while for it to manifest. And that's really how it happened for me. And uh, thank you for calling it courageous. It was definitely the hardest thing I ever did. And mm -hmm. um, the most incredible thing I ever did from a transformational perspective. I, you know, for myself, I, I, I don't think I'm able to do that. <laughs> most people say that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anybody to do it unless it flowed like it did for me. I mean, I could see maybe a, a day or two, you know, <laughs> but then that urge to to speak would come out. <laughs> yeah, that that's a oh, that's a tough one. But uh, so all this now led you in the area that you're doing now because you you mentor like large corporations and you help them with mindfulness and stress. Yeah, and I really love working with individuals, to be honest, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, most of my individual clientele are women, but I actually have a couple of men right now, too, and they're usually in the C-suite or in upper management, um, and they're burnt out, um, or they're getting towards burnout. They know they're mm -hmm. getting burnt out, and they know they need some help, and, you know, kind of where my magic seems to come in is to help people to be accountable to develop a meditation practice. And then to be able to integrate, you know, micro tips, mental strategies, deep mental strategies, you know, in addition to just these small tips in order to be able to cope with, you know, everything from how to work more mindfully, but then how to live one's life more mindfully, which ultimately is more important. It's this kind of this finding the work-life balance that um, seems to be eluding most people these days. So do you feel that by doing that, uh, it, it gives them more confidence and more focus and they're able to actually most likely do their jobs better? Exactly. I think, you know, what meditation does is at a basic level, it helps to de develop our awareness. I'll just use that term. So mm -hmm. there's this deeper awareness that we all have within us. <clears throat> and from within that awareness is that calm, the mm -hmm. focus, the clarity, um, 
And the, the analogy I like to use is, you know, the, it's the difference between um, be reacting in a situation, you know, just like bing, bing, like a ping pong ball mm -hmm. versus stopping and then responding more appropriately, right. right? So if it's at work when you're trying to, you know, um, you've got a difficult decision that you've got to make, and having a tool to be able to stop, clear the stress out of your mind, because as we know from a neuroscience perspective, you know, they've studied the brain. And that's one of the reasons I think mindfulness is so, you know, almost going mainstream these days mm -hmm. is because science has been able to show that, you know, our, our stress is so constant and it's a hormone called cortisol that doesn't allow us to think straight. It actually deactivates the parts of the brain, in particular, what's called the prefrontal cortex, which is right behind our forehead. And, and when that's deactivated, then we can't make right decisions. But with a solid, regular meditation practice, and then I have, you know, tips like one of them is like a mindful pause. They can then, you know, reduce the cortisol levels. You know, the prefrontal cortex can go online. They can make better decisions. Um, and also relationships, you know, relationships, it's really important, you know, if we have difficult relationships to find ways to step away from triggering events, the holidays are coming up. So we've got, you know, triggering events that people are going to have. Um, so I think that there are, um, many ways, but it, like you were saying, you know, finding focus and calm, and it comes from basically knowing that there's this knowing. still place that we can come back to that is ours. Mm -hmm. And the big one I found, especially with women, in fact, is confidence is that meditation can really help you develop confidence and confidence is key, um, for you to say no when it's needed, especially mm -hmm. in a corporate environment. Um, for you to stand your ground, even if it's not a no, um, confidence is key. And uh, I found with both myself and my clients that you can really develop a lot of confidence with meditation. Oh, yeah. I always tell my clients, no is a complete sentence. I love that. Yep. Because that's what it is. And, and don't react right away. You know, take time to just step away and, and just focus before the words come out of your mouth because once we say you know and it could be an anger or whatever it may be once that happens you you cannot take those words back yeah and so it it's so important to stay focused and you know again like what, what you mentioned to just pause yeah the pause is even mm -hmm. more than just focusing the pause is mm -hmm. allowing the brain to basically bring mm -hmm. back online those neural networks that are gonna serve you better. I mean, this is all done behind the scenes in our mind-body continuum, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's uh, it, if you practice meditation on a regular basis, and for those of people who are new to meditation, it's hard to understand. It's kind of one of those things I say, it's like, well, um, what does chocolate taste like? And you would say, well, it tastes sweet, right? Well, what does sweet taste like? Mm -hmm. You can't define sweet. Right. And meditation is the same, you have to do it to understand, to experience it. It's something that we experience within our, our mind-body um, continuum, I'll say again. So, but, but then what happens is that when you do a regular practice and you do things like what I call a mindful pause on a regular basis, which is if you breathe in for three or four seconds, whatever it is regularly, and exhale for twice as long. So if you inhale for three, you exhale for six. And if you do that three times, you're automatically activating 
what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, uh-huh. which is our rest and relaxed response. So, it, and then what happens, I was just going back to your situation, you're in this like moment of being uh-huh. triggered, uh-huh. then you've, you're doing your sitting practice, you've done your mindful pauses, more quickly the mind will slow down, slow down. and know how to respond and not be triggered. Yeah. And that's so important because it, it actually uh, gives us more of a sense of who we truly are. Yes. And know yes. that we, we don't have to react out of anger or frustration. We, we can step back a little bit and think clearly and then say what we feel. Yeah. And it gives us a place for, you know, uh, one of the things I always say too is it's really hard to stop the initial moment of anger. What we're really stopping is the the nanosecond after that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not about that we're going to be angerless beings, you know, and and you know we're never going to have all these emotions. I mean, of some course. people actually mm-hmm. live on some of these emotions. Like, how could I? I don't even know how to not be irritated, uh-huh. right? you know. But what you find is when you stop do having those emotions, you actually don't want them anymore because by you know if you can find that stillness and not be irritated or angry in a situation, your mental happiness just plummet, you know, just um, goes up. It just, it, it increases exponentially almost. So that's what's kind of, what's fa- been fascinating for me over the years is to just watch how I can control certain situations, you know, and be okay. You know, maybe I'll get a little irritated or impatient. Yeah. And then I'm just like, oh, okay. That's what I'm feeling right now and not, oh, not owning it. One of the things I do with my clients is to have them step away with saying, I am angry. You say, I feel anger. Right. So you're not identifying with the, the negative state with of mind negative. so mm-hmm. much, right? You know, the ego is not grasping onto it so uh, much that it becomes your identity, which is really what happens. Um, you know, and it, like, I'm thinking of some dysfunctional relationships with clients that I've seen. Um, where it's just so hard to step away from the dysfunction, but it's just, you know, baby step by baby step, just trying to step away from, you know, responding with the trigger that you normally had in the past and finding new ways to be mm-hmm. able to work. through. And it. the I am, you know, those two words are very powerful. You know, uh, I tell everyone, you're, you'll, be, you'll feel so much better when you say, I am healthy, I am happy. I am calm, I am peaceful, or whatever the situation is. Whereas I hear a lot of them, oh, I am stupid, I am this. Well, that's bringing who you into your reality, who you you are. So we need to delete those words and and think more positive, with more you know self confidence and self worth in who we are, and and you know find again that happiness within. And it, I, I, it, it's, it amazes me how, you know, even with some of my clients, the negativity just, you know, seeps in there. But then once they learn, you know, some tips to clear that and delete that, because I always tell them, just delete those words from your mind because they really do not serve you purpose in any way. So why are you holding on to something that is destroying you rather than helping you? And-, and- is that with your clients? Yeah, you know, I just had one the other day. She was, it was a very simple situation where mm-hmm. um, she had, uh, knew she was working at home and she had to open the front door for someone who was doing some work on the house or something. And she said, I know it was so silly that I did this. I'm like, 
you know, we're silly about, you know, taking the time. I felt it was silly for me to do this uh, or something. And, and so we worked exactly on what you just mm -hmm. said. It's like, we have to, we have to, you know, be aware of the words that we're using and then yes, create the, we create the world around us around through us. the, the thoughts we think, the actions we take, the speech we, we make. Exactly. You know, growing up, uh, my grandma was a healer. And so uh, she would all, my, my name was Babacita. She'd call me Babacita. And she always, I mean, it was like, it was embedded in my mind. She'd say, Babacita, if you think negative about yourself, take those thoughts, take them out of your head, throw them on the ground and stomp on them with love and light and healing. And if anyone talks negative about you, know who you are so that you don't take in that per those those uh, words from that person. I love that tip. I love yeah. it. Throw it out, put it on the ground. Love it. Yeah, but send it down with love and light and healing because yeah, the negativity course. needs to work. And I swear to you to this day, it's still in my head. Yeah, I have it's clients come back to me after a couple of years and be like, mm -hmm. that one thing that you one said, thing? you know, mm -hmm. that one little tip. And, and I think that we can't underestimate, you know, how powerful just simple little actions um, and thoughts can be. You know, one of the things that I really ask my clients to do is to set an intention uh, for our program, mm -hmm. uh, because I, I've been learning over the last couple of years more in particular, or maybe there's just been more research done on intention versus motivation. So, you know, intention is like kind of as, a, as a deeper thing, you know, you could be motivated um, to lose 10 pounds in 2022. Uh, but if you are, um, you know, if your intention is to be a healthier person in yes. 2022, mm -hmm. it's going to be more powerful. And so that seems to be kind of helpful to bring the mind because what we're trying to do is, you know, mm -hmm. the mind is, it, you know, right now, and especially with the technological age that we live in, um, it has every opportunity to be distracted. You know, my analogy I use is that, you know, we're in this big, huge candy store and now it's our time to be able to, we have to like decide which candy we're going to take and not take and not exactly. stuff our, our, our faces anymore. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. It's really important. And that's what I, um, you know, unfortunately, but it's just understandably what we work on a lot is digital detox is really understanding how to, how the, the digital um, devices and communication tools and being in front of computers, um, you know, everything from how it affects our brain to the electric magnetic radiation um, that, you know, just doesn't seem to be taken into account, you know, in any way, shape or form, um, you know, within kind of like normal work contexts, um, mm -hmm. understanding how to use that communication tools, you know, the big ones are like Slack and um, these things that keep you on all of the time. So, you know, I've had companies um, change things like, you know, they'll have a mindful pause before every meeting. Um, they switch up their, their Slack requirements. They allow people to get off notifications. People can say, you know, I, I'm not available after six o'clock. They can set times for when they um, will check their, you know, emails or, or any of those other kind of communication tools. Uh, I think it's just uh, a lot of these different, um, uh, distractions, as I'll call them. And they're not all bad distractions, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, you know, it's like, you have to do this, you have to do that, but we have to learn to manage our time and not just, you know, work on a project, I'm bored, go check your Facebook feed, come back to the project. Um, the research shows it can take anywhere from 60 seconds to 20 minutes to come back online mm -hmm. to be focused when you've gone off task. 
So it's pretty serious when you, yeah. um, and that's, and people don't understand what's wrong. They just think I'm so stressed. I don't know what to do. Um, and, um, and this is where mindfulness and meditation come in really. Yeah. I tell them to just stop and take some breaths yes. and be, be mindful of breathing. You know, I'll tell you a story. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I, I, I worked at Roosevelt hospital. I was, uh, uh, in the administration uh, office and a lot of us smoked. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking a long time ago. And one day I, I ran out of cigarettes and I went outside and I was watching everybody else just smoking. And then what I noticed, it was like a ha ha moment that went on for me. I noticed everybody was just taking a deep breath and then exhaling. And then lo and behold, the next day, I took two, two of them aside. I said, could we just do a little experiment? Let's pretend we're smoking. Let's make believe. And let's just breathe in and exhale. And it, it started really catching on. And I swear to you, Elizabeth, within, I would say maybe three weeks time, all of us became non-smokers because we realized that it wasn't the cigarette that was helping us relax. It was being mindful of our breathing. And that's what a lot of people need to really understand. It can be as simple as that, actually. Simple. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's simple. It's powerful. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great story and a great example in, of, of how um, powerful the breath can be. Oh, very powerful. Like, you know, when we get stressed, what happens is we, we all ultimately stop breathing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And um, the other thing, I don't know if, if you're aware too, is, is that it, they call it screen apnea, that when you are looking at a screen, and especially if you're focusing, you know, really intently, whether it's on a, a meet in a meeting or on a paper, you're writing a report you're doing, you're actually, your shoulders come inward. They constrict your lungs and you stop breathing. Said, we yeah. do it on a regular basis now. Mm -hmm. So one of the other very simple micro tips is literally just every 15 minutes, just, check your posture. I bring my shoulders ah, back. That's and, cool. and, Yeah. And we, you and I are just both doing it right now. And we can both feel like, wow, we're getting this extra breath in there. You know, I could feel it. Isn't it amazing? And, I, uh, I myself was doing like this and just yeah. sitting back just slightly yeah, it's it's like a, a deep breath. It it come it goes all the way in here. And if you if you do and that's really, really simple but powerful. And mm -hmm. there's like a whole group of people who are kind of working on the understanding of um, you know, how we have to um design workplaces um for work-life balance, and it includes what what we can call, you know, screen etiquette, right? We have to learn that this is happening. And then, so right now, I think, you know, these days I don't have to put a timer on anymore, but um, I just noticed that, you know, like every little while my body will just, you know, shoulders will roll back. back. I'll take a deep breath, just like you were saying, and then come back to center. And, and sometimes I'll be like, wow, that really felt good. And then I'll go back to what I was doing, but you know, it's uh, it's amazing how, how powerful the breath can be. Oh, it is. And, and just the, the one thing of just remembering to put your shoulders back. You know, and, and that's what it, uh, I feel a lot of people are, are missing out on just being mindful of just so, you know, I, I tell everyone, just go outside and look at the trees, just listen to the birds or, or 
just maybe here if if you live like where you live up in the mountains like so listen to the silence yes it yes. is unbelievable i when i go to my daughter's house i love it there because i can go in the front and it's silent <laughs> yeah i mean it's silent yes. and um it is an amazing feeling to have the brain not hear any outside interference. Yeah. And so many of us don't have that opportunity. And, you know, so it is kind of, I work with a lot of people who live in urban environments. And so it's kind of like this mix, you know, I absolutely work with nature suggestions. Like I'm like a nature mm-hmm. geek, you know, hike all the time. Actually, we're doing a, um, going up into the mountains in a couple of days uh, to get some hiking in, you know. We don't have snow in Southern California, so hopefully there's going to be a little bit of snow. Uh, sorry for you East Coasters, <laughs> people <laughs> who are like trying to get out of the snow. I know. Uh, but, you know, we all um, have that place where there, there's always an opportunity, whether you bring a plant into your apartment, whether you just mm-hmm. step outside on your balcony. <laughs> a, a, a client who just said to me, she's got, she lives in New Jersey and she has this big house. She's like, you know what? I never go out on my balcony. No, oh, I'm good. And, and she started doing that. And she said, it's like life changing for her work day, you know, oh, where she just yeah. goes out just, just to get that breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. It's just so it, it's um, so necessary. And even more so now, I think what is really what we're finding is that we're spending so much time outside mm-hmm. of nature in the world yeah. that we've created that uh, we need to get out into nature in whatever way is possible. And of course, the suggestion of you can get out and take walks um, every day, even if it's around the neighborhood, even if you're just passing one tree, you know, you know, touch the tree, say mm-hmm. hi, you know, uh-huh. do whatever uh, you need so to. You believe and, in hugging trees, then I absolutely because <laughs> sure. I did too. And some people in the park, they just look at me and say, what is that lady doing? I know. But trees, I mean, intuitively, and you just know which one to go to. They actually, there's a, a loving, um, incredible feeling from them yeah if you I've do. got one in my backyard it's probably about it's about the size of god I'm not really bad at sizes but let's say it's like two feet in diameter mm. you know it's big trunk big. it's like my buddy yeah like uh-huh. it doesn't need to be watered by me it's been like you know it's way up there's this huge pine uh-huh. tree huge pine tree it's got to be 30 feet tall um, but somehow it's like I just I have to go and I have to touch it and say hi and I have to water it even though oh, yeah. the other guys around it probably need more watering. It's so funny. Yeah. Like you were saying, you have this relationship with certain trees, but I, I make sure the other ones get watered too. But, but oh, yeah. I, I, I really have been feeling that more recently uh-huh. about this tree and wondering what my relationship what is with it. You know, like, oh, I wonder, you know, kind of really what that's all about. But uh, I think they uh, give us messages. Yeah. You know, just like we hear message, you know, uh, I, I call them voiceless voices that speak to us. Uh, that we don't necessarily understand what they're saying because sometimes it's a high buzz sound or frequency. But then we we realize that we we know something without learning or just knowing. We just know. And I'm gonna you- I'm gonna I'm gonna tap more into that and just yeah, like you're you know mm-hmm. just kind of reach out and just be like, hey, what kind of message are you you know trying to give me? Any messages? I love that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I, I feel that's that's what happens in, in many cases. You know, I um, every now and then this hawk visits me, and he, all the time, and I'm not afraid of him. He always flies over my head, and his wings touch my my hair. 
Really? And then he'll sit on on the um, either my, one of my chairs or or the fence, and he just stares at me. And I stare back at him, and I know, you know, in, which I mean, it, I know it probably sounds a little strange, but intuitively and psychically, I could feel he's giving me a message. It's and it's it's a beautiful feeling. Yeah. It's unexplainable. And and I see him, he comes at least once a week. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, he's a gray hawk, big, his wings are huge, but... <laughs> And I'm not afraid of him. I know what the routine is now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And it sounds like you have a backyard or somewhere where you can yeah, really enjoy being outside like that. And oh, yeah. And really having that communion with him. Or oh, her. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. But yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a special feeling, you know, because a lot of the animals have, you know, spiritual meanings also. But um, so let, let me ask you, you know, getting back to your, your meditation, I know you have a program that's called an inner game game rather inner game of life beyond stress yes what that sounds very interesting what exactly is that yeah you know what i try and do with the inner game of life beyond stress is um it can be anywhere from usually it's two to three months um i like to at least you know have uh, my clients get give me enough time to help them develop the habit of meditation but to be honest the most important thing, it's really, I call it the five R's of transformation. Mm. And so what we're doing through this process is, yes, you know, committing to doing, you know, five or 10 minutes of meditation a day. And then I teach various different types of meditation, in addition to the mindfulness meditation on the breath, which I find is a very important, basic, you know, um, fundamental type of meditation that is extremely helpful at all different levels of practice. So I like to it, but but then within my own Tibetan Buddhist tradition, there are many other kinds of meditations like guided meditations, visualizations, and so on. And so the five R's are, the first one is relax. I mean, I think we can both, I mean, we have such a hard time in our society about relaxing. And I'll have to say, if people, when people ask what are the benefits of my three-year retreat, I learned how to relax. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know how to relax. I mean, mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't very relaxed but I had no idea how not relaxed I really was. <laughs> so <laughs> relaxation is really important. And, and funnily enough, you know, well, not funnily enough, we have to start with that. And the second is release. So mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is release limiting beliefs, oh, um, difficulties, mm -hmm. traumas, triggers, and all that, and then restore. So what do we want to do restore? It depends on the person, right? You might want that confidence, right? You need that, you want some balance, more balance in your life. You know, it is, it's very uh, personal approach to, um, you know, integrating, understanding our minds and then implementing into our life. And then the, the fourth one is recharge. And so these aren't linear. This is like a circle that we're going through. Oh, okay. So we're, re we're circling through these things. And so the fourth one is recharging. So what are the things that are going to recharge you? Do you need to get more time out in nature? Do you need to commit to that meditation practice on a more regular basis than you were. Many things come up here. And then finally, we get to renewal because, you know, transformation is, you know, it's, it's just, we're constantly renewing ourselves. We're mm -hmm. constantly getting to a place where we feel renewed. We can step up a notch. Our vibration can step up a notch, whatever, wherever we are, you know, but in order for, to do that, we have to, we have to um, bring things up. It may not be comfortable, it's like we need to bring the mirror up to our face and we need to really look, look at it, mm -hmm. look at the wrinkles, 
We need to look at whatever's going on there, <laughs> right? And we need to see them, be aware, and decide if it's time to let them go. Mm -hmm. So a big thing for me is this understanding of being versus doing, letting go instead of being on all the time. Like, what do we need to let go of? It can be an emotion, uh, a type of emotion. It can be, uh, you know, a relationship. It can be, you know, small or large, all of those things. So, um, and then also, you know, I have clients who just continue with me on a regular basis. So we just, you know, we either get together weekly or monthly. So um, that particular program, you know, I've, I've thought about, um, I've done a group program too. I'm not doing one right now with a group of women. So if people are interested in that, as they, they can stay in contact with me via my email and, um, and get updates on that. Um, just had a really powerful one finish a few months ago with a group of small, I like them small, just mm -hmm. a small group of women. And they get a lot from what they talk to each other about. Mm -hmm. So group programs can be very helpful for that. Uh, and, uh, and then in businesses, it's more what the company needs. Right. So if, you know, a business wants to bring me in, it's really, I listen to what they are needing. Are we, you know, we talking just about reducing stress, to be honest, I am not about just lunch and learns. I'm about changing the ROI yeah. uh, for companies, you know, the return on investment. I am looking at how can mindfulness help your business and your relationships okay. with your employees and their Ultimately, it, it comes down to individual mental health. You know, this is really what we're about. And I was reading more recently just, you know, some of the horrible statistics about the mental health status of not just the United States, but the world now. The world. Oh, oh yeah. The, the pandemic uh, did a lot of people in, you know, um, I'm sure, you know, you're aware of it, you know, all the anxieties and fears and, you know, people are afraid to even just to go out. I mean, at, I, I say just live your life and, and truly live it without being fearful because fear takes away your life. Yeah, that's a big part of my program mm -hmm. too. It's, yeah. it's so much of what, what I do um, and what I teach is about letting go of fear. Yeah, and then we're, all of us are at some level of, of fear. I just was out today at a, um, at a restaurant and the kids got out early, I guess, for lunch. And the restaurant was just chock full of all of these kids from age 12 to 17 mm. being like, you know, on top of each other's faces, you know, much less giving you six, you know, six inches of your know, space. And, and I found I'm really pretty easygoing about it all, to be honest, mm -hmm. um, in, you know, kind of my own personal taking responsibility, like you're saying, letting go of the fear, being mm -hmm. responsible, but letting go of the fear. I, I'm working on that on a daily basis. But I found my twinges, right? Oh, I was oh, like, yeah. this kid like sat almost right on top of me, you know, like I was sitting in, and he just was like, and he didn't know, you know, yeah. I'm like, God, in the old days, I wouldn't have said, and I didn't say anything, you know, I'm like, you know, it's okay. You know, just, I noticed my trigger, right? Mm -hmm. That was my trigger, became mindful of it and just be like, you know, just let it go. It's not like, you know, it's going to make a big difference. You know, if I get COVID, then I get COVID, right? I'm taking the precautions that I and right. willing to take. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then when that happens, then I work within that. So this is about, you know, this is about, you know, where some people get confused about mindfulness, because mindfulness is about being in the present moment, right, letting go of the past, letting go of the future, 
so that we can be fully in our lives. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we don't think about the past. Oh, it doesn't mean yeah. we don't think about the future. Mm-hmm. But this is what people will say. It's like, how can I be mindful? I've got to think about that. I've got to decide on that. I've got to do this, right? I've got to do that. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's finding that balance and understanding of when we're present in the moment, then we can make, you know, clearer decisions about how we want to react. And in, in that situation, if you're in a room full of people, and I know someone who just went to a wedding, right? You're, you know, who are not socially distancing, you just take yourself out of that space if you mm-hmm. want to be socially distanced. You yeah, find someone exactly. who's going to have a conversation with you six feet apart. So it's it's really um, it is a challenging time in the world to be. Mm-hmm. But what I don't know if you've been finding this, but I'm finding that it, you know, with any kind of suffering, uh, it makes people more aware yes. of like what they don't want mm-hmm. and what they want. So I'm finding that, you know, the people who are maybe in, in the closet in their own minds, even mm-hmm. about like wanting out of this job or wanting out of this relationship or just wanting to feel happy, just needing to feel some joy, like not knowing what the word joy means, mm-hmm. right? Um, they've reached that point. Now they're willing to embark on their personal development or for, in our context, their spiritual journey at some level, you know, and it's spirituality is not religion, right? Spirituality is, is deeper than that. Well, that's why I tell everyone, you know, what I do, you know, energy healing, and uh, it's not a religion. It's, it, it's about calling in, whether you call it God, Buddha, whatever energy, you know, I, I usually say God, because that's what my, my grandma was a healer. So she, she always say, call in for God's energy and your angels and archangels, your spirit guides, your loved ones, everyone who's of the light. So, um, and, but I tell my clients all the time, it's not religion. There's no religion associated with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's something we're all, we're all learn we're all learning and there's different ways of talking mm-hmm. about God and universe and, and respecting different uh, belief systems. But what I found is I had grown up Catholic. I actually went to all Catholic schools all the way through high school. I went to an mm. all girls Catholic prep school. Um, and, and then when I, um, yeah, I was trying to think, you know, in college, just really, you know, didn't think about it too much. Just was trying to get, I went to UC Berkeley, just trying to get through, you know, just wanted to, I actually wanted to be a doctor. That's what I thought I was going to do with my life for a very long time wow. since I was a little girl. And um, so when I switched that and I actually then went into the business end of healthcare because my vice president role was in a mental health managed care company. And oh, my okay. direct clients, the people that I worked with on a regular basis were psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, um, hospitals, treatment centers, and, and all of those kinds of things. So I was kind of in that world of like what they did, but not, you know, in the healing arts end of it. Um, and then when I went traveling to Asia, not wanting to commit to any particular view, I realized that, you know, within the Buddhist view, it's all about non-proselytizing and just understanding our mind. It's yes. like, you know, the, 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 the quote that's always used from the Buddha is, it's like, you know, you're basically, you're trying to, it's like alchemy you know, of like just understanding the mind and, you know, wanting to get to the gold, but what the gold is, is actually, you know, your complete understanding of reality and understanding that deep love and compassion are at the, the basic core of, of our being so, mm-hmm. and simply, simply put, right. It's all about love and, and compassion. And, uh, and so for me, it was, you know, coming into the Buddhist thought actually from a 
scientific and philosophical standpoint. So I studied Buddhist philosophy for many years because oh, yeah. that's how, and then I became more interested in the deeper spiritual practices. And so for a long time, you know, and this might resonate for some, I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist because I didn't want that association. And I think some of that came from the mm-hmm. Catholic stuff, you know, it's like, you know, um, and then, you know, when I, you know, began to announce years and years ago now um, that, that I was Buddhist, it just, there was a, a, a relief in that for me, it is just, it's the framework from which I've been able to understand my mind and from which I can offer service uh, because it, you know, it can, um, there are many, many people in India, Nepal, um, from Israel, the Jewish people really, really embrace um, Buddhism. And um, so I met people from all different religions mm-hmm. and listened to their questions um, of these teachers. And there is always, you know, an, a spiritual answer that can be found uh, in, in so many ways. And so, yeah, we're all just trying to, to reach that higher um, place of, you know, love, compassion, and, and service, and happiness. That's ultimately what our life should be about. Yeah. And and not about all this crazy-making other things that come at us. Yeah. It's and about I, a, so focusing inward instead mm-hmm. of outward, and then that all becomes clear. You know, if that, yeah. like, if, if you're, you know, so many of us are still in the, like, you know, this relationship is what's going to make me happy. This job is what's going to make uh-huh. me happy, right? It's, it's, it's understanding that when you flip the focus inward, um, you find all of those things that you were searching for outward, but they look different. Right. Um, and um, and it's, it's just a beautiful path um, that I'm, I'm so blessed to have had that burnout. I'll be honest, you know, it's like, yeah. if, I always wonder like what would have happened if I hadn't burnt out and went traveling to India and Nepal and just, you know, immersed myself in what I did. And we all have different paths and, you know, that one's pretty extreme in its own way, but you don't even have to do that. Like I say with all of my clients, mm-hmm. you, know, you just have to go inward and find what's right for you. You know, well, I always, I always say everything that we need is truly within us. Yes. yes. We just have to reach inside and, you know, find it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we come in. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, I, hopefully I'm helping my clients with is, is, uh, finding those, uh, the practices like the meditation and then the tools and techniques, uh, that can help them. Yeah. It's, uh, the, uh, the same thing for me. I had the burnout with, you know, 500 employees and going, working so many hours and, the, and in my heart, I knew I, I was a healer and I finally got the courage. I want to say to leave that job and to then practice what I, what my authentic self, I want to say. And everyone around me thought I actually had a nervous breakdown, but I, I said for the first time in my life, I actually found myself and I, I feel, and again, you know, the being mindful and this is going back, I mean, in my forties and I'm 73 now. So this is oh, oh quite a while ago when people would think it was, you know, woo woo and voodoo and, and all this, but I, I decided to uh, just stay true to me. And, and I like you're so saying, fun. it takes, mm-hmm. there's a courage, there's a courage that's needed to do that. And, mm-hmm. and, but like you found, it wasn't like you were like, okay, now I'm going to wait, the courage is going to come and then I'll do it. 
you just live your life with the, you know, trying to find those intentions, mm-hmm. you know, seeing where, you know, the blocks are. And for you, it's like somehow, you know, somehow it was like all of a sudden that um, switch flipped it's, it, and it, you're it, like, I can't do that anymore. And this is what I meant to be, be here for. And that's another thing that I love to work with clients on is purpose and meaning and transitions, mm-hmm. um, you know, from one thing mm-hmm. to an, um, another um, really finding themselves. I love to work with people on that. Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden they realize what they, maybe what they're doing is not really what they want to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I always say, just find what makes you happy. Yeah. Just, it's, you know, uh, like the work I do, it, it, it's not a job. When I worked over at the Four Seasons and I worked quite many hours. And so quite many uh, uh, various people from all different corporations and help them. Yeah, it was a lot of hours, but I loved my work. So it wasn't a job to me. It was my, my purpose, my passion. And it yeah. made it completely different, the different feeling. Yeah. And I, and I wish that for, for everyone to be mm-hmm. able to find that place. And sometimes we have to do work that, you know, right now that may not seem that way, but as long as, you know, we're not in toxic environments, continue yeah. the intention and the wish to get, you know, to find that purpose and meaning. I think that, you know, people get a little, um, uh, I guess maybe frustrated or, you know, hopeless about it sometimes. Hopeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, there's, it's all about timing and we don't know the timing. That's, I, you know, one of the, one of the mysteries of the universe. I always call you know? it when spiritual timing when is when the t- spiritual timing is right. Believe me, it's going to happen for you. Ex- exactly. And that was with my three-year retreat. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's like the first when someone told me, one teacher told me I was going to do this three-year retreat. I'm like, you're joking. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, well maybe that might, no, I could never do that. And then it just flowed, you know, some of these transition times and, and even, you know, yeah, working Mm -hmm. now, um, when I do, when I do my, um, my sessions, it's just fun, you know, um, you know, and I just, you know, there is a a beautiful quote that I love, um, that is about joy. And it says, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw life is service. I acted and behold, service is joy. You know, it's just, it's like finding the joy in service. Yes. And I think, you know, so many, and service can be anything, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, and especially, um, you know, helping in social service settings, you know, whether you volunteer here or there, or you give money here or there, you know, all these kinds of things can um, really lead us to that, that joy that we're looking for. Yeah. And that's what life is all about. Yes. We were meant to love, be happy, peaceful, and live with joy and everything else. But uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of a lot of people out there make it challenging for themselves. Because again, they're not mindful. Yes, yes. And you know, they just don't, you know, they don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you, you know, you, you see what you see. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, there's a lot more than what we see. Yes, going on. And so we have to tap into that and understand it and get guidance if needed um, to help us to be able to, to see deeper. And, and I feel as time moves forward, I, I'm very grateful for now living in this time where people are now actually getting into the meditation, the mindfulness, becoming more aware, becoming more spiritual, getting into healing. And it, it's 
just a beautiful thing to see people finally understand that there is something else other than what is here. Yeah, we are living in a special time that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I feel it's a spiritual awakening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, this is wonderful. So where can my listeners get a hold of you oh. and learn all about this program that you have to offer? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So my website's probably the, the best place. It's thepraythergroup.com, T-H-E-P-R-A-T-H-E-R group.com. Uh, and uh, the uh, I also am on Facebook with a group called Mindfulness for Professional Women. And you can um, get into that group and uh, there's all kinds of resources and meditations and all kinds of things that, that are going on in there, uh, growing community and really loving that. Uh, and uh, I post, um, and then if you go into my website, you'll get my email address, which is info at thepraythergroup.com uh, and get on my email list. And then I'll uh, um, continue to send, I always am sending out tidbits, uh, you know, mental strategies, you know, you know, mindful tips. Yeah, just helping day. everybody. Yeah, just helping everybody. So, so what, what's the website again? Thepraythergroup.com. Okay, yeah. Well, all that information will be uh, on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, your bio will be there and, and all your information with, you know, listeners can get a hold of you because what, what you do is very important and people need this. Thank you. They need this. So, you know, please- check out Elizabeth. She's, she knows what she's talking about. And anyone that can spend three years in silence, believe me, <laughs> that's, you have to check her out. <laughs> I look forward to having chats. I do a, a free 30 minute complimentary call. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So anybody can get in touch with me and I'm, I'm happy to, to talk with them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on the show today. And, uh, you know, thank you for listening. And again, a big thank you to Elizabeth. Please go on her website and check her out. And, you know, I hope that you heard what you needed to hear today. So again, a big thank you for listening and visit me at motivateyourlife.net. And please subscribe to this YouTube channel or on Spotify or iTunes, the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I have amazing guests, you know, and uh, just like Elizabeth. And believe me, you'll learn a lot and you'll learn what you need to hear what you need to hear also. And I also have another uh, YouTube channel called Barbara Saban. And there I have some grounding and sleep and um, other med meditations just for you to listen to. Um, so again, uh, visit me at motivateyourlife.net and have a beautiful week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara.